This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. How did you feel about the style of the group and how that sort of evolved? Yeah, so I was uh, I was definitely the outsider of the outsiders. Yeah, what was that? What <laughs> because, was that? Just because, like, uh, they called me Tiger Beat because I was yeah. I, I don't have any edge, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like Todd and Alan and and even Jimmy, you know, like they all kind of grew up in a I don't know they were military kids and they grew up in around a different culture than I did. This right here is Jason Dowdy. When Aaron Kane and his brother Noel left Sudden Impact, which by then was called The Outsiders, Jason is one of the new guys who took their place. And for the rest of the group, the first order of business was to dirty him up a little. Yeah, so when I joined the group, they kind of had to give me a makeover, you know, a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and Like what? Like how? Oh, like, you know, get like Jabot jeans and Iceberg and... I don't know, mm. all the stuff in the time. Sure. <laughs> giant, giant jeans. Yeah, yeah. I had the, my jeans that I had at the time were more Jimco than Jerbo. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But I got there. I got there, yeah. Jason didn't know he'd be a part of the version of Sudden Impact that came the closest to fulfilling the promise of the Motown Philly moment. The version that finally got a whole song on a movie soundtrack. The version that finally appeared in music videos for its own music. These Outsiders for Life videos are on YouTube, by the way. And in the one I'm looking at right now, the one that you will not believe me when I tell you who directed it, Sweet Tiger Beat Jason is definitely all decked out in bad boy tank tops and do-rags and wide-leg jeans. He exhales blunt smoke. And when you look, and you don't even have to look that closely, you see it. The blunt smoke is CGI. We'll talk to sweet Jason Dowdy, Tiger Beat, the new guy in Sudden Impact, about his life in the group's final stretch, the Outsiders for Life years. He'll take us into the inevitable tragic drug chapter of the story. Every group has one. And since we're taking some big swings lately, if we are really chiseling out a Mount Rushmore of early 90s music video special guest performers, I have found the daddy of them all. No, I have found the zaddy of them all. I've reached out to an unforgettable face from a 1991 music video, someone I have always wanted to track down. And baby, baby, you will not believe who I have got for you. This is Waiting for Impact, a Dave Holmes passion project. By the late 90s, the group that had started as Too Special became white-hot MTV famous as Sudden Impact, got renamed White Guys, and later rebranded themselves The Outsiders, began to implode. After being pulled off of Capitol and then dropped from Biv 10 Records, their third record label, Stone Creek, just folded entirely, putting them right back to square one. 
Brothers Aaron and Noel Kane left the group to start a new one, and their empty seats got taken by two young singers, Jimmy Marble and Jason Dowdy. How are you? <laughs> good, Dave. Good. Good. Where are you? In Welland, Ontario, where we have free health care. Oh, come on. <laughs> good thinking. When we talk, Jason Dowdy is freshly vaxxed and ready to talk about his adventure with a group he already knew a little bit about. Did you remember having seen the Boys to Men Motown Philly video and the sudden impact? Oh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I remember, let's see, that was in 90, I want to say one or two, somewhere around there. I was still in high school when I saw that. Yeah. And of course, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, because, you know, New Edition, Viv, like all that, they were my heroes growing up. So, yeah, I was like, what's going to happen with this? What was the Outsiders for Life lifestyle like for you? What was a typical day? <laughs> it, hurry up and wait. So it depended on the day, right? Yeah, like I would say most of my time spent with the Outsiders was downtime because we were waiting on this or that to happen before we could, you know, tour or record or that type of thing. Uh, they put us up in a really nice apartment, you know. Uh, we're at this. We were definitely vampires, so you know we were staying up all night. I would say Tim probably worked the hardest out of us all. Like I would go sing my little bit, and then I would be, you know, walking the streets with Jimmy or ordering Chinese food, or we'd play ping pong or whatever, right? Like a lot of a lot of weed being smoked, a lot of that going on. I wasn't I wasn't a weed smoker, but a lot of that happening. People in and out of the studio all the time. Like, you know, we'd run into Kenny Loggins. And I remember Queen Latifah stopping by at some point. So it was a little bit of like surreal. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is the entire tragic drug chapter of the story, by the way. You're safe now. Like I said, if you do some digging on YouTube, you can find some of the videos from the early Outsiders for Life era. There's one called College Degrees, spelled with a Z, just like Outsiders. The guys are a little thugged up in this one. They're in low riders. They're smoking blunts. For Jason, and I'm just going to repeat this in case his parents are listening, the blunt smoke is CGI. This video is a wild ride, but I was not prepared for what Jason told me about it. That one, that was a Hype Williams one. So first of all, we got like the best director. Wait a minute. Hype Williams directed that? College degree. Yeah. Yeah. Hype wow. Williams did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can send over like a picture. I think we have a picture of us with him. Okay. Gather round, kids. Hype Williams was the music video director of the late 90s. Every hip-hop video cliche, he did it first. Fisheye lenses, hype. Artists bathed in deep red or vivid blue lighting, hype. All those early Missy Elliott and Busta Rhymes videos, all hype. Name an iconic 90s hip-hop or R&B video, and I bet he directed it. No scrubs? Getting jiggy with it? Mo money, mo problems? Hype, hype, and hype. It's no exaggeration to say that he single-handedly changed the visual language of music video and film. In 2000, he directed videos for Jay-Z, No Doubt, DMX, and Outsiders for Life. Jason has a YouTube channel where he hosts a bunch of Outsiders for Life videos. There's College Degrees, directed by Hype Williams. The guys are shooting moody looks at the camera inside a bowling alley and then getting hauled off to a jail cell for reasons that are never made clear. There's one for Not Enough, with the guys in matching black leather outfits. The video features each one of the guys rolling around with a model on a bed with some aggressively shiny satin sheets. And the guys do the very 2000 music video thing of getting so emotional they have to rip their jacket or shirt off and expose their tank top. 
Not Enough has Todd White singing the lyric, You're something special, girl. You know your shit is tight. And then there are two videos for a song called Who Are You? The original and the Timbaland remix. Both of these songs start with a verse from Dave Smith, the quiet one from the group. Let's take a listen. Okay, you really have to watch out for the quiet ones. But I listen to this verse again, and something jumps out at me. Pay attention to these lyrics. You think you're hot shit, but you ain't nothing now? You went from boys to men, broke to Benjamins, frontin' day by day like we're fucking friends? Come up with something new because you ain't saying nothing? Hold on. Is Who Are You a diss track? And if so, who are they dissing? January 1991, a 30-year-old superstar in the Christian music world released her first pop single, a song whose lyrics are actually about her six-week-old daughter, Millie. The artist was Amy Grant, and the song was Baby Baby. It went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in April, unseating Wilson Phillips' You're in Love, because again, 1991 was a great fucking year. Anyway, if you know the song, which you do, you also know the video. The video was absolutely everywhere you looked in 1991. Seismic in our culture. Karen Kilgariff herself describes the video as like if Rachel from Friends were a music video. It's Amy Grant doing what we can only call cavorting in some outfits right out of the Elaine Bennis collection with a guy. A handsome guy. A strikingly, startlingly, scene-stealingly handsome guy. A rare male video vixen. Largely because of him, the video for Baby Baby made people crazy crazy. It was sweet, aspirational, clean enough for a Christian music star, yet, because of this guy, undeniably sexy. He was so popular, he made the rare music video move of reprising his role in a sequel, the video for Amy Grant's Good For Me. He was one of the faces of 1991, but because it was 1991 and there was no internet or social media, and I guess he didn't hire a publicist, nobody knew his name. I did a little digging. I found him, and I talked to him, and his name is... Jamie Stein. Yes, sir. As I live and breathe, I can't believe we found you and it's happening. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty in shock myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm, in I'm in shock it's 30 years is what I'm in shock at. yeah. Tell me what you're doing now. You're in Miami Beach. Well, I'm in Miami Beach and I'm kind of going back to California, Miami Beach. Um, my son lives here. I'm still, believe it or not, in the fashion world modeling at the age of 52. I can see you. I believe it. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is a, a video call. I yeah. can believe it. Thank you. You guys, Jamie Stein looks good as hell. He's in kind of a salt and pepper, silver fox daddy moment. It works. Let's go back. Who was Jamie Stein in 1991? Oh my God. Who was Jamie Stein in 1991? Um, I was uh, I was just starting in the business of, of doing commercials and modeling, just literally fresh into it. I must have been 24, around 24 years old. I was living in LA and... Um, I was surfing a lot, and then uh, I got into uh, the fashion world, and, and that kind of changed the direction on my life, for sure. What did you want out of life at 24? Oh, I mean, literally just I wanted to see the world as I was doing, 
Um, even when I, before the business, I was traveling just to go surf and explore. That's really what my life was about. And all I wanted to do was surf and travel. You can relate to this, right? You move to Los Angeles to surf, and then you find yourself swept up in the world of high fashion modeling. Well, that's Jamie's life. He's modeling. He's starting to go out on commercial auditions. And at that time, with four major networks and just a few dozen cable channels, a national commercial could make your career. The residuals alone could buy you a house. You could get discovered and go on to something bigger, like Brad Pitt and Matt LeBlanc did. Jamie Stein went a different direction. So you're going out on commercial castings and whatnot. What, what kind of stuff would you go out for? Oh, my God. From, from Coca-Cola to car commercials. Back then, there was even actual cigarette commercials. I mean, it was such a wide variety. Music videos, you know? Well, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So how did the baby baby job come about? Um, well, they, my agency sent me on a casting to go see about this video. And I had no, I had no idea what it was about. And I, I had never heard of, I was, I was always listening to reggae music as I grew up. And that was most of the music I listened to. Just breaking in to say that reggae absolutely suits Jamie's personal brand. So I wasn't really familiar with Amy Grant at the time. And I didn't know how big of a deal she was back in, the, in, in that, that time as well. And I didn't know that she was a, a Christ, Christian gospel singer. I thought she was just a pop singer. So I had no idea the whole background of this whole situation, you know? So I just went in and um, I uh, I casted for it. They made me dance around and, and sing to the song that I'd never heard of before, which was crazy. Um, but it was super fun and, and I felt comfortable and uh, they liked me. And then they called me back and I met the director and I did some more dancing and some more singing, lip singing, obviously, to her music. And uh, and there you go. They booked me for it. You were living in L.A. at the time. Where, where were Yes. You? Yeah, I was in L.A. OK, where, whereabouts? I was living at that at that time on top of Topanga Canyon. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Theme, themes are emerging here, Jamie Stein. Absolutely. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my world, right? <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. Your world is a good place, Jamie Stein. Topanga Canyon, for those who don't know, is just over the hill from Malibu. And it is exactly the part of L.A. you would end up in if you were a surfer turned model who listened to a lot of reggae. It's perfect. Jamie booked the job. The video came out. And you've seen it, so you know. He crushes it. So during during lockdown, we've had a lot of time to, you know, to watch things, to binge watch. Our thing here in our home, my my partner and I, will just go down late night YouTube music video rabbit holes, right? And we we got into the the Amy Grant music videos recently, and I said out loud, "This is a man who understands the assignment." <laughs> <laughs> this guy has a job and he's doing the hell out of it. Uh, I appreciate like that. You're, I appreciate that. It's it you're you're like you're magnetic but you're not stealing focus. It's like it is I hope you're comfortable with me saying this. It is you're performing a male Tawny Katane situation. Wow. 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 All right kids, 
gather around again. Tawny Katane was the video vixen of the 80s. She appeared on the cover of Rat's breakthrough album, Out of the Cellar, but she's best known for her performance doing the splits and vaults on the hoods of luxury cars in White Snake's Here I Go Again video. That performance made MTV play that video a million times a day, and MTV playing that video a million times a day made that song and album go multi-platinum. You're going to have to take my word for it that when I said he had pulled off a rare male Tawny Katane maneuver, Jamie put his hand right on his chest like he was really touched. This guy gets it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That landed just wow. how I landed. Good. <laughs> good, yeah. good, good. Yeah. So on set, what kind of direction were you given? Um, well, first of all, I have to say um, DJ Webster, who's the director, was just, he was crazy, but so like, like it, he gave me all the energy that I needed. I was you have to you have to know that I, I was really raw like into this business. So I really didn't know what I was doing at all. I was just going with how I feel and with the direction I was getting. And Amy Grant, okay, so I really like I said I didn't really know anything about Amy and she was so sweet and so understanding and so like I had to lip sync to her her song. And in front of like, I don't know, 50, 60 people working in front of me. So I was super embarrassed in the beginning because I didn't want to embarrass her by me, like making a fool of myself. And she said, just go with it. Just let's have fun. And and I literally just whatever came to my mind, I just did. And with the direction of DJ and and Amy just like leading, it was it just felt it felt really natural. After the video comes out. It explodes and gets played constantly. Oh my god! So- oh my god! You have you have no idea. You have no idea. It was uh, no. It was um, it was beyond what I'd ever thought I was doing at that time. What was going to be the direction of my life was going after that? Like it was literally on. I don't know because MTV MTV back then was playing videos, and it was. My video, the video I was in, and the Janet Jackson video at that time. And it literally was playing probably 10, 10 times a day, at least. Oh, yeah. Inescapable. Yeah. And and everywhere I, you know, a lot of places I went, like, I would see it on, like, a TV inside a restaurant. I would see, I would hear the music in, like, Target. You know, I would, it, it was, and this is, goes on for years, you know, for years. And um, every time someone would look at me or say something to me, or it, it caught me by surprise every single time. And I never, ever got used to that, ever. And it happened a lot, yeah. I saw this video a lot that year, and every time it was on, I would watch it all the way through. Everybody would. Jamie's that magnetic. Amy Grant's fans ate the video up. Jamie knew a little about Amy Grant, but he didn't get how many fans she had or what kind of fans they were. And I, and I didn't realize she had that many followers. And that, that many fans, not followers, fans, like like a crazy, crazy amount of fans. Yeah. Well, she had a lot of fans, but then also that song and that album made her cross over to the mainstream pop charts, and then then it really exploded. I didn't realize that that's what was going on, and then it kind of got a little controversial, I guess. With oh, explain. Yeah. Well, she was married, and I was playing her love interest, so the Christian gospel fans some of them you know were just like well what's going on here what you know they actually believed i was her boyfriend on the side some people 
While another guy might have tried to seize that moment and capitalize on it, try to spin it into a movie career or a pop single of his own, Jamie just kind of took it in stride. So it raised your profile through the roof. Did it Did it change the way you saw your future? I mean, the way I saw my future, I saw it like, I see my future day by day, not like long, long term, but it changed it for sure within within my within my work because people started calling for me because they said, oh, I want that guy in the, in the Amy Grant video. Who's that guy? Let's get him for this. Let's get him for that. So it opened up huge opportunities for me. I just went with it. And um, and from there, I, I ended up moving to Europe, to Paris. And I stayed in Paris for like almost eight years working, working fashion in Paris. And then I would come back to California, do jobs through through my agencies in LA and New York. And, and I was getting a lot of work because of that video, of the videos, but first, basically from the first one, for sure. So just as a model, it got you a yes. ton more work. Yes. Okay. But I also think because they saw that they believed that I wasn't just modeling in it. They, they believed that the, the emotions and stuff like that and the, and the chemistry, they, they believe it's real. And so a lot of those jobs, that's what they wanted. And so they saw that and they're like, oh, let's try, this guy looks good for what we're doing. So, I mean, I can't give enough thanks to to Amy for all that. So a music video, there are no like residuals or anything like that. Like it's, you, you get your day right and then it doesn't yeah, matter. If, if, if there was residuals from that, I, I would be um, a different person, <laughs> I mean, different category. But yeah, no, no, it's it's just, uh, it's a it's a one-time thing. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. But what it gave me in the future is is priceless. Absolutely. So he took a big role in a big music video that he did extremely well, and he used it as a way to do more of what he was already doing. He got exactly what he wanted from his big break, and what he wanted was what he already had. This goes against everything that you're taught about how you're supposed to live in America in late capitalism, but he didn't want to be rich. He didn't want to be famous. No, I just wanted to... Um to be to be be happy be at peace with myself enjoy my life I, I wanted I wanted to I wanted to I wanted to surf obviously and I wanted to travel and and, and get different cultures and, and and experience life that's what I wanted to do and that's what I, I was doing and, and continuing to do and I would just pick another place to go and to experience and to and, and to dive into the culture I saw myself doing that until I, I couldn't do it anymore. Let's just put it that way. And, and it sounds like that is how it's panned out a little bit. It has. Uh, it really it really has. I mean, since I had my son, um, it's obviously slowed me down. It's not slowed me down. It's it's put me in a different position to be to be a father. You have to be there for your for your son or your daughter. So I'm more focused on being a father but also traveling and, and doing that as much as possible and actually making him understand, like feel the way I feel about it as well. That's important to me to understand that there's a world out there. Yeah. What's he studying? What's his? <laughs> Marine biology. I mean, it's amazing. Great. Yeah. Yeah. The apple has not fallen far from the tree. No, no. Thank God. <laughs> the day after we spoke, he headed to Las Vegas to do some modeling for a hotel then off to Kona in Hawaii, then Curacao, then Hamburg, Germany. Dude has not stopped working or exploring or surfing. He's busy. Your dance card is full and I love it. Thank you so much. I'm very, I'm very happy. 
you've got a great energy. I would, if I were to, in a position to cast you in my music video, I would do it in a heartbeat. Oh my God, I appreciate that. Um, truly, I, uh, I'm gonna. You've, you've made me want to learn to surf. <laughs> Let's see. So that's all. That's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. Insp- inspire people to get in the water and enjoy the water. Just as we were saying goodbye, Jamie remembered a message he had just gotten on his Instagram, and it's too good not to play for you. I want to share one thing with you guys really quick because I thought this was really special. Someone sent me this message on Instagram literally two days ago. Do you mind if I share it with you guys? Please. Okay, so let me just put my glasses on because I'm blind without them. Um, That's all right. Okay, this, this is from Lisa. 25 years ago, my husband and I, being nine months pregnant and overdue, went on a dancing date to possibly get things moving. As luck would have it, the DJ saw my huge belly on the dance floor and played Baby Baby and made me feel like a star out there. Not only did I love the song and the artist, but I thought you were perfect in the role. So now I have an amazingly gifted and gorgeous 25-year-old son named Jamie. Can you believe that? It's unbelievable. How often does that kind of thing happen? It happens quite a bit, honestly. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it makes me feel really good, you know? If I get, if I'm down one day, I'll look at one of these texts, these messages. I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. So um, yeah, it makes me happy. Jamie Stein has the life he wants. He has a chill attitude and there's at least one child out in the world named after him. If he's not alongside Sudden Impact in the music video co-star Hall of Fame, I don't know who is. Now, if you'll excuse me, I need to watch Baby Baby five more times. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So there is a thing that people do in conversation that really jumps out at me, and it's starting a sentence with the word so. I find myself doing it a lot in questions, and I'm not sure what it's all about. I think it's to reassure the person I'm talking to that I've done my research. So tell me about that BBD tour jacket. So what was the Super Bowl halftime show like, etc. But often I ask a question, and then the answer begins with the word so. I've thought a lot about what that so signifies, because as you probably know by now, I think about a lot of things that can't possibly benefit me financially. I think what it says is, okay, here it goes. I've anticipated your question, and you're going to get a full and satisfying answer. Jason goes a step further. I ask a question, and he begins his answer, yeah. Even if it isn't a yes or no question, yeah, and then sometimes so. It's next level. It's Jason saying, not only have I anticipated this question, I've answered it in my head a few times already. To me, it says Jason has been ready to talk about this stuff for a long time. He's just been waiting for someone to ask. How does that feel to you when you've you've made something and now it's just you're just waiting for strangers to do something with it? Yeah, well, at the time, like it was it was so gradual, like our you know, the realization that you're not going to get released. 
Once again, the three remaining guys of Sudden Impact, who are now recording as Outsiders for Life with Jimmy Marble and Jason Dowdy, are recording for a hot record label. This time, Blackground Records, the label launched by Aaliyah's uncle, Barry Hankerson. And once again, the finished product never sees the light of day. There's probably one moment where, you know, I think all of our hearts sank a little bit when um, uh, we were promoting Not Enough. So we got a lot of radio play. It was trending up. We were on tour, like it was around spring break time. I want to say, I can't remember if it was 99 or 2000. I cannot remember. Um, somewhere in that time. Uh, I remember it was spring break time because we were in Florida. And we were, you know, opening for our idols, you know, like Ludacris and Pink and Shaggy. And we're starting to get some attention. We're starting to gain some momentum, doing interviews, all of that. And then um, I guess the single lost momentum and they just pulled the plug on the tour. So we're off the tour bus and all that. And I think that was kind of the moment where we're like, and you know that boy bands are about to be over. You know, they've kind of run, run their course by the time. I think this was in 2000. So you kind of knew that they were running their course. And that was probably the moment where I was like, oh, I don't think this, this may not happen. With the single sputtering out, Blackground pulled the plug on the album. An album that was already made, finished, had a cover and everything. They did get one song, a remix of Hell Yeah, on the soundtrack of the DMX Steven Seagal movie Exit Wounds. But as for a full album, again, the guys have poured their hearts into a project that sits in a vault at a record company. Why record something and then never give it an opportunity to earn a single dollar back? I think that's just, I think that's just part of the business at the time. There, I mean, there are so many boy bands and like girl groups from that time that probably got left on the cutting room floor. You know what I mean? Like I bet there are thousands of stories like mine out there. And I think it was just the way they did business. Like they would, it was worth the investment to see if it would happen to get like, like it's kind of like a gold rush, right? Instinct, you know, Backstreet Boys are popular. Everybody's like, let's make the next one. And they all rush to it and they all throw money at it. And then, you know, whoever catches on, great. But if they don't catch on, it was worth the investment to see to get part of that part of that market. To your point about boy bands that um, that don't take off. Get this, okay? <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story. This would have to have been in 2000. I hosted the. Get this. You're sitting down. This is good. <laughs> I hosted the press conference, the unveiling of. The Backstreet Boys, Burger King Kids Club action figures. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They flew me down to Orlando, Florida, to like to some theme park or something, and the, and the Backstreet Boys were there, and they were unveiling their <laughs> Kids Club action figures, and so and so that's that was going on there, which was of course wild. And the night that I spent in Orlando, we ended up going to some club. Um, and the club was literally full, like everyone that I met was like in a boy band or a girl group. So it was like they, they would introduce themselves by name and then name of group. Oh, wow. As though I knew like these, you know, second and third tier, like groups that Lou Pearlman was, you know, w was working with. Um, but it was, it was insane. It would just be like, hi, I'm Ashley. Innocence. Okay, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Um, but there were dozens of them, and it was like I am fully in like a, 
in, in, in like some sort, I'm like at Hogwarts for boy bands and girl groups. <laughs> and, and most of the ones I met, yeah. nothing happened. So there you go. Well, and I think part of the reason we had some success was um, like there was some integrity to our group because we wrote and produced the stuff. And we like with the contracts that we had to choose from, DreamWorks was one of them. And we could have gone that route, you know, work with David Foster, you know, went that direction. Um, but Todd and Alan and, and Tim really liked the offer from Blackground because they were more like our people. You know what I mean? Like uh, they understood the type of music we wanted to make. Uh, they were working with our heroes, you know, uh, Timberland's from the, and Missy are both from that, that Hampton Roads area. Like, you know, it just seemed like a better fit. So like, I think the reason we even caught on some was because there was like that people can tell genuine from fake pretty easily. Right. And I think at least people could tell that, you know, we wrote the song and it's real and we mean the lyrics and all that. So. In the early 90s, Sudden Impact slash White Guys slash The Outsiders couldn't get their records released because New Kids on the Block were over. In 2000, Outsiders for Life couldn't get their record released because Backstreet Boys and NSYNC were huge. Sudden Impact got pushed to the side because there were no boy bands. Outsiders for Life got pushed to the side because there were too many boy bands. For Jason, this was a disappointment, but he was still new to the game. For the core group from Sudden Impact, this has to have been devastating. If this is 2000, this is nine years into a, a career where this has been happening over and over and over. Did you get a sense for how they were feeling? Yeah. So Todd, Todd is definitely the most persistent person in the group that will do anything to make the dream happen. He started the group. It's his dream. He is uh, so good at... Uh, I don't know, like motivating people and, and getting people on board. Um, but his, I think his thought process at the time was this sucks. What can I do next to make it happen? Like, it, you know, it was more like, uh, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's talk to these people. He was more in like, let's still make it happen mode. So uh, I think uh, you'll have to ask Todd what happened after that. But I think for him, it, it wasn't quite um, real yet. And it wasn't real necessarily for any of us, we were, but that was kind of a moment where I was like, oh, yeah, this this could be over soon, you know, like where at least that light bulb went on, you know, but we weren't ready to give up. Sure. And what does that feel like? So joining this group has always felt like it's too good to be true anyway. You know what I mean? Like I hopped in right when everybody did the groundwork. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like everybody had already done the groundwork, got the contract and all of that. And I'm just like singing songs that other people are writing. Like, so for me, it wasn't as bad. I was like, I can always go back to, you know, performing, doing what I was doing before. Um, so, and you know, it's been a dream of mine, but I'm not like, uh, you know, there are people who dream and then there's people who build and do things about it. I, when I was that young, I was just dreaming, not doing anything about it. So I wasn't like invested too heavily. So I probably took it better than most of the people, like especially Todd and Alan and, and Dave. And Jason had a fallback position, doing something else that I feel like I'm going to have to explain to young people. Like I moved, did a cruise ship contract in 2004, moved back in 2005 to make one last go of the group. And then in 2006 is when I moved away, started doing cruise ships again and all of that. All right, kids, gather around one more time. People used to go on cruise ships. That's it. 
So I think that's kind of when the realiz- realization happened for Todd and for the guys in the group. I think we're all slowly accepting it over time. Now, Todd, as I understand it, is still in the business, still like writing songs for country artists. Yeah. Yeah, he's still doing that. He's, um, I, I think he has a, you'll have to ask Todd, obviously, to get the, the exact uh, thing. But I know he had a, last time I spoke to him, he said he had a big meeting in Nashville and he was considering, like they offered him a publishing contract, but, you know, he has a family now. He's got a mortgage. He's got all these responsibilities. So in order to only focus on writing, like he'd have to take drastic cut in pay. And so I think he was weighing those options. You'll have to ask him how it came out. Yeah. Jason's got a good attitude about the whole thing, probably because he remembers why he got involved in the first place. When you were like starting out as a singer, what, what did, what did success in music look like to you? Yeah, I, I didn't really, I, I didn't really think about it that much. I, so my very first job, I got at Frontier City in Oklahoma, just singing in some show, earning minimum wage, you know, and I was selling pictures at the front of the park before and after. And like, I was thrilled, <laughs> you know, at the time, like I can sing for a living. Wow. You know what I mean? Like I had that just attitude of gratitude all the time. So I, uh, success to me was just like, the fact that I could sing and make a living at it, that was number one. Like in Oklahoma, they don't preach that. Like it doesn't happen because there aren't any performing jobs there, obviously. Right. So, you know, if I grew up in LA or New York or something like that, I'd probably have bigger, bigger dreams, but did that, uh, got a job at Bush Gardens. I was like, wow, even a better job. And then, you know, started doing that. And then when this came along, I was like, oh, I didn't even realize I, this could happen this easily. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was, I didn't build it from scratch or anything like that. I just kind of luckily fell into it. Uh, so, and then I got, got a new vision of success with the group. I was like, wow, we could really make it. We could do this. We could do that. Started to learn producing and songwriting and all that while while we went. And now, um, so are you still, well, nobody's doing cruise ships now, but have <laughs> you, uh, had you, how long did you continue singing on cruise ships and stuff. Yeah. So like 2013. Um, and then I got another regular nine to five job, uh, met my wife, you know, so now we have kids and all that. So, uh, just doing that. I still write songs. I still put music out and, um, do some producing and stuff like that, but not like, I don't have time to pursue it or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. How many kids? Uh, oh, oh, two. I have two kids. Yeah, three and five. Uh, Sophia's five. Kaylee's two. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. And what line of business are you in? Um, I work for an internet service provider in, uh, as a team manager just for people. We basically give you a call and say, hey, I see you signed up for our internet. Let's let's get an appointment going. That type of stuff. Cool. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Good. It's a happy life. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, it's a happy life. Most definitely. Are you glad you took the ride? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was, I mean, I have some of my best stories from there. I don't know if I should share any of them. I think but, you absolutely should. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, look, <laughs> I don't know. No, it, not if it involves other people, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say it was definitely worth the ride. Jason Dowdy and Jamie Stein. Tiger Beat and the Baby Baby Man. Two good guys. Two living lessons in gratitude. I check my email after I get off the Zoom, and there's a message from Todd White the main songwriter for Sudden Impact, the guy all the way to the right in the Motown Philly moment. 
the driver of the whole project, the guy who was going to beat up Aaron Kane, but started a singing group with him instead. He says he's down to talk. And he wants to know if Alan Healy can join the call. I'll talk to two-fifths of Sudden Impact at the same time, and maybe they'll give me the dish on who that diss track was about. We'll find out next time on Waiting for Impact, a Dave Holmes passion project. This has been an Exactly Right production. Written by me, Dave Holmes. Produced by Hannah Kyle Crichton. Recorded, mixed, and sound designed by Andrew Epen. Additional engineering and assembly by Annalise Nelson. Music by Ben Wise. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Executive produced by Karen Kilgariff, Georgia Hardstark, and Danielle Kramer. Follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Exactly Right. And follow me at Dave Holmes. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Binge the show ad-free on Stitcher Premium. For a free month, head to stitcherpremium.com slash impact and enter promo code impact when you select a monthly plan. Listen, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.